Hello and welcome to another edition of the InvoiceFinance.News podcast. I have with me John. How are you? Fine, thanks. Today I'd like to talk more about ESG and climate change. Can you start by telling our listeners a little about ESG? Yes, of course. ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance. These three key metrics represent a different way to assess a company's value. Traditionally, a company was only rated for its profitability, now and into the future. But with ESG considerations, companies are judged on such things as sustainability, workforce diversity and shareholder rights. There have been a number of organisations set up to help companies improve their ESG score. Governments responding to growing popular pressure are looking to legislate ESG requirements. Fund managers, banks and factoring firms are also looking to give preferential financing to companies sincere about ESG values. As the climate crisis becomes real for more and more people who suffer from floods, droughts and wildfires, there is a growing urgency to move to carbon-free economies and prevent global temperatures rising to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Unless the world radically changes its economic approach, 2030 will be the year the oceans start dying, islands disappear, places in Africa and the Middle East become uninhabitable and people displacement reaches levels never seen before. There will be fresh water shortages and levels of pollution inimical to human health and food production. This is not me being a doomsayer, but rather the scientific consensus built up from decades of research. COP27 showed that the vast majority of world leaders agree with the scientists and are keen to discuss ways of averting the impending environmental disaster. You mentioned government legislation and organisations set up to promote ESG values. Can you tell us more about these initiatives? First, there is the IPCC, or the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change. It was set up by the World Meteorological Organization and the United Nations to survey all the scientific evidence for climate change. It has 195 member states. It is the largest scientific peer review effort in the world. The overwhelming authority of the IPCC makes its predictions on climate change not something that most governments can ignore. The UK Stewardship Code, brought in by the UK Financial Reporting Council in 2010, sets out good practice for reporting ESG factors by companies. At present, the code is only voluntary. The Financial Reporting Council, or FRC, regulate auditors, accountants and actuaries in the UK. They set out the UK's corporate governance and stewardship codes. They have been active in monitoring ESG compliance and advise companies how to systematically improve their performance in sustainability, training programmes for staff and corporate governments. In 2018, the European Council published Action Plan Financing Sustainable Growth. In it, they set out a vision for channelling private capital to sustainable projects 
that will help to achieve the targets set out in the Paris Agreement that they signed up to. This has seen a drive in Europe to develop sustainability benchmarks. In the Far East, the Chinese Communist Party has issued guidelines for establishing the green financial system in 2016. Japan has avoided legislating on the issue and instead seeks to promote the voluntary adoption of ESG factors and disclosure of relevant metrics. As you can gather, there is a growing body of non-governmental and governmental bodies looking to make ESG considerations more than just branding exercises for companies. Yes, it is encouraging. However, you mention very little legislation passed by governments designed to address climate change. You're right. Many companies have official goals for reducing carbon emissions. They tinker with initiatives to reduce fossil fuel consumption in transport. They propose a rebalancing of energy generation using wind, solar and hydropower to reduce reliance on fossil fuels. Then there is the carbon credits and carbon offset system that allows companies with low carbon footprints to profit. It also incentivizes companies like airlines and airports to find ways to cut carbon emissions. Government bodies have been using the carrot rather than a stick to get the markets to take climate change seriously. And rules about monitoring ESG performance is a key part of this approach. How so? Getting companies to analyse and monitor their response to the climate crisis by using ESG metrics allows banks, institutional lenders, government procurers, as well as consumers and shareholders to reward green drives and flag enterprises that, paying, that are paying only lip service to the needs for unilateral and coordinated action to avert the impending climate crisis. There is a lot more that could be done, Emma, without doubt, but consensus needs to be built first. Can you talk a little more about consensus building? International economics is based on competition. In the world of business, winners invariably produce losers. Neoliberalism seeks to release markets from the burden of regulations. China's Communist Party sees economic success as the best way to promote nationalism and popularity in the party. At COP27, developing countries sought compensation for having to bear the brunt of negative climate impacts caused by global warming. I could go on, but the main point is that world leaders have to find ways to cooperate to beat climate change and to realise that the issues affect us all. Agreeing on what is good practice in terms of business behaviour regarding saving the environment, promoting social justice and good governments is how ESG is helping in the critical fight against climate change. Thank you, John. I found that most thought-provoking. <laughs>